Thomas, the Reverend James King of the James King, King James, Bible-believing, teaching, preaching, and now endorsed by Donald Jonathan Trump Ministries. Friends, speaking of that great godly man on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, I have not had time, friends, to call into this cesspool, the anti-God cast. That's right, friends, that these go to hell on a grease pole podcast. I won't call it by what they choose to call it, friends. I'll call it what the Lord Jesus calls it. You just heard what it was. Uh, Friends, you're going to hell on a grease pole. And if you listen to it, you'll be joining them. So, friends, the last year, as I said, I've been enjoying the sweet taste of victory, friends. The full year of Donald Jonathan Trump's glorious reign from Washington, D.C. over this soon-to-be-restored godless nation to its former glory, friends. That's right. I think of it as a foretaste of the marriage supper of the Lamb, that glorious thing that will take place immediately after the pre-tribulational rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ of all King James Bible-reading Christians and registered Republicans. When they disappear off the face of the earth, friends, what a glorious day that will be. But friends, you know, whenever there's glorious work, there's always a demonic counter-move. Friends, we shouldn't be surprised. But I want to show you men and women to keep praying. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effectual. You may recall it was some time ago the founding host of this ridiculous exercise, the These Go to Hell podcast, was a man by the name of Greg Dutcher, a so-called pastor. Friends, let me tell you, that blimp of a minister is no more. Fact, friends, I've actually been told that not only is he not on the podcast, but he's taking a so-called sabbatical from his church. Friends, if you think that that absolute fool is sitting somewhere reading the King James Bible, studying up on the lives of godly preachers like yours truly, he's doing no such thing. Friends, I guarantee you he's used every day off to sit at the prime seat at the Golden Corral, all-you-can-eat buffet, as he binges himself on reheated mac and cheese and beanie-weenie. Friends, it's not a sabbatical, it's a sofatical. But friends, you may recall right after I prayed that vile man out, he was replaced by another loser, Steve, I ride a motorcycle Heartland. That's right, man. This, this man's in his 60s, but his body's covered with more ink than the front page of the L.A. Slimes or the Washington Compost. Friends, but I'm happy to say I've prayed that fool out. But friends, just like a booger on your finger you can't shake off, that's how the devil's minions always are. As soon as you kill off one, two more pop up and, oh, the latest fool. Zachary, I'll see you at the bar tells. Friends, this this man fancies himself a Christian writer. Well, let me ask you, friends, what kind of Christian writer co-authors a book on cigars and cigarettes? That's right, friends, it's true. You can look it up. This man apparently is infatuated with the ingredients of of cigars, of Satan sticks. He he wants to know how much brimstone is is in it. He wants to know how much sulfur is in it. Well, I got news for you, Mr. Bottles. There'll be plenty of brimstone and sulfur awaiting you on that glorious day when you're tossed into the burning lake. Ah, oh, friends, you just trust the old Reverend James King for the sweet love of Jesus to be pronounced from holy lips, undefiled by the subjects these fools talk about. So, Mr. Nathan Hellsbell is going to be at it again, not reading the tea leaves, understanding that his anti-God cast is doomed. But you listen in, friends, if you want to hear demonic drivel.
But if you want to hear glorious truths, you just tune in to the sweet love of Jesus at the King James Bible Tabernacle. Oh, friends, you stay tuned where you will hear the truth. Glory! Boy! Nathan, I think you got everyone's hopes up there for just a second. <laughs> that uh, that Greg was back. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's uh, it's funny because I, um, you know, I was I was talking with Greg, and I think the Reverend King still has his spies around, and um, you know, I was telling Greg, texting Greg that uh, you know you were going to be joining, and so I think uh, you know, I just I woke up. And there was this message from the Reverend King and, uh, you know, just laid it right into you, man. Nathan, is that real? I always thought that I always thought they were one and the same. That's like that's like a real person. Oh, no, no, no. Wow. No, it's yeah. No, it's it is. It's a it's a joke. It's a it's a persona. <laughs> oh, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, it's it's a persona. It's a persona. But uh, yeah, no, it's you know, we're, we're going to we're going to have to find the middle ground here with with our humor. I, I know it's a pers- I know it's a persona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, you are going to have so much fun correcting my English on this podcast. I, um, <laughs> it, it's interesting because I'm a teacher. I'm not an English teacher, by the way, for those of you out there. So you know, please do not worry that I am corrupting the uh, the youth with words. Um, you know, I'm a science teacher, but oh my goodness, my wife is an English teacher. She loves words, and I cannot tell you how many times a day she is correcting me about something. Um, so you're you're going to have a blast uh, taking that up for her on this podcast, man. <laughs> There's only a few that really bother me. Less instead of fewer. Uh, you know that sort of implied instead of inferred, or vice versa. Uh huh. Now there's a lot. There's a lot of them that bother me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell, joined by my new co-host, Zach Bartles. Zach, it is awesome to have you on here. I am so glad. Um, You know, I cannot tell you how hard I was laughing after our initial exchange when I I first asked you to, to join me on the podcast. You tweeted something like, Wait a minute. Is this like an offer where you sent one out to like Trogues and like four other people and I'm like the last one on the list? And I was like, no, 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 no. Honest. First choice. Um, I had been wrestling with this for a while and you are the first person that came to my mind to, to co-host this podcast with me. So thanks Nathan, for stepping that was on, man. All false humility, man. I know. <laughs> I know I'm everybody's first choice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that- Actually, you know when when Trogue stepped down at the at the Happy Rant there, mm-hmm. there was there was a about a week and a half where uh, Ted was like, "Man, you think maybe you want to jump in and do this?" And I was like, eh, "I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't know. Would that be weird if we had our thing and then we had another thing with this other guy and then it just sort of disappears? It's like it, it faded with the the morning dew and <laughs> uh, and then there was Ronald J. Martin. Yes, Ronnie Martin. Oh, and you know man. what's funny, Nathan? For a while there, mm-hmm. they still had the music that was like, wah, 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 and then Trogues was like, welcome to the Happy right. Rant Podcast, <laughs> which reminds me of something I wanted to tell you in front of everybody. Uh-huh. And, and that is, I mean, I know that Steve is your dear friend, yeah, but not dear enough for you to update like the description of the podcast on, on <laughs> iTunes or the pod or Podbean or any of the... The aggregators out there all are like Greg Dutcher every week sits down with Nathan Bell and 
<laughs> Dude, in that- other words, if my name's not on all those things within like you know three days, I'm out. Actually, I'm it's, it's funny. All about platform. It's funny because I did actually update them over the weekend, so you should see an update. It's it, it is it's hysterical because I was looking at that. Um, the other day and that's what prompted me to do it but it was literally it was the other day and I was like wait a minute I never changed this when Steve came on maybe it was a sign that I should have changed it earlier maybe it'd still be around maybe uh, maybe he got offended <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was like you know what I know when I'm not appreciated <laughs> that's right can't even bother to change the tag on this stupid thing <laughs> you know I gotta tell you I, I listened to uh, an episode or two Mm-hmm. And and I I listen to all my podcasts when I'm doing stuff, so yeah. I'm I'm often you know I'll miss little bits and if it seems interesting I'll back up if it's intro I just I don't bother with it. Sure. And I didn't even realize Greg was gone because those dudes both have the that like really like low voice oh, and yeah. like baritone. And it, it was it was when I emailed you and I was like, hey, I want to be on again. Yeah. You and Greg. You were like, uh, Greg has been gone for a month and a week. So. <laughs> Do you even listen to this podcast? <laughs> well, you know, it's fair enough because I don't even listen to it. I mean, I just – I talk into the mic and then I put them up online and, you know, I mean, I can I can literally remember um, – I, I don't know if you remember Matt Smith. Um, he was a regular on for a while when Greg was on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he and his wife, Tracy, would listen to him. And I think it was like they were listening and it was the first time I said douchebag on the podcast and they <laughs> both were just laughing so hard. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. <laughs> oh, man. You know, you also uh, – you dropped a little uh, – was it smartass or half I, – I don't remember. It, it, was, it was something in there. <laughs> and that, and that, uh, that was like the last – one of the last ones that Greg was on. You know, if it would make you feel at home, I'll do that thing that Greg always does where you're talking and he acts like he wants you to shut up by going like, yep. Yep. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's not like, uh-huh, yeah. It's like, yep, yep. Hurry yep. up, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, that would be hysterical. I think you should do that. I think you should take yep. over. <laughs> going myself with it. Never mind. That's off. <laughs> oh man. Well, dude. Even since the last time we talked, you have been um, super busy with a lot of stuff going on. I've been uh, really enjoying your other podcast, Clinch. How many podcasts do you have now? Like thirty or forty? <laughs> you know, this makes three, which is too many. But Clinch is going to sunset here in uh, about at Easter week after Easter. And it'll be done with season one, mm-hmm. uh, and and so we'll just have two. And you know, I, I, you you know that a lot of the time with podcasting is getting it ready and uploading it and doing all the stuff. Yeah. And since you're doing that on this podcast, hey, whatever, it's more <laughs> a week. That's right. You just got to call in and talk. <laughs> and and you know, it's I, I was hoping I would forego like the thing I have going with Ted Cluck at the Gut Check podcast, where we we have to like contend with like the lawnmower man that lives in my laptop every time. <laughs> no, that happened again today. Hopefully, oh. that's the last. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because I can remember a handful of times, um, and even now, it it always makes me sweat a little bit when doing the podcast. Like what what's going on. I was doing one not too long ago. I mean, it was three or four weeks ago. I was interviewing these two guys who co-wrote this book. 
and they're calling in from California. So you have the three hour time difference. You know, they had just put this book out. They're, you know, kind of bigger in the entertainment business. And all of a sudden, like, it's taking me a half hour to get my pot, to get the, uh, the recordings ready. And so I'm sitting there and I had, I kid you not, I had the first guy who was talking. He went three times before I finally was able to get everything working. And the other guy was able to just come on an intro. And, uh, oh man, technology is the greatest thing in the world. It is also, the most horrible thing in the world. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, my, my issue is I use the old, I use old technology. I, mm. I still rock the Palm Pilot. That's, you know, everyone knows that. I, I buy used laptops. I mean, why pay $900 for a laptop and have it last five years when you can pay 150 and have it last four years? That's right. That's how I think. And and so I'm always just running out of RAM and all that sort of stuff. So we're talking through my cell phone here. We're Skyping through my cell phone. I, I paid $80 for this cell phone at Walmart. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a track phone. I, I am 39 years old, Nathan. I, I'm not an old man. I use a track phone, and it, it's like the smartphone version, but it has like – 640 kilobytes of hard drive in it or right. whatever like you can put like <laughs> half of an app on it and i i top up the the t- texts the talk minutes the the talk minutes <laughs> man. my the minutes data, talk to me on average man i spend eight dollars a month on my cell phone nice and nice. I know people who are like, oh, I, I actually have to budget like $178 for my – okay. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. there's there's no way I would do that. I mean I, I got to be honest with you, man. Like I am um, – I mean I know more about technology and social media from doing the podcast stuff. But literally at the end of the day, if I was not doing this podcast, I would totally dump my Facebook. I would not have Twitter. I would probably not even have a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone until uh, three years ago. And um, really, wow, yeah. that's late in the game, dude. Yeah, yeah. Now, no. I, I would, ideally, I'd like to go back either to a flip phone or to one of those like Nokia bricks from like 2005 that you oh, could like punch yeah. a grizzly bear to death with. Yeah, those were amazing. They like the worm game on it, and you could call, and that was it. Yeah, and Tetris. Tetris was my yeah. Yes, and I. See, I'm so nostalgic for like these these 20 year old or 18 year old like 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 electronics that could just barely have voted in the last election. That's my jam. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. They would have voted for uh, for Jonathan Donald Jonathan Trump. That's right. <laughs> I thank you, thank you so much for that. I, I how many guys have had two James King calls? I know, right? But uh, definitely, that, that is such an honor. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, yeah, total shout out and thanks to Greg for that because um, he really he's been so busy with stuff lately. It's funny because when pastors talk about you know taking a sabbatical, I, I don't know you know what typically comes to people's minds, but Greg is I think busier on his sabbatical with stuff at home than he is when he's doing stuff with the church. Um, well, that's just bad stewardship. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> he's so busy, this guy is is so busy that that uh, I mean I mean I appreciate the two minutes, but it sounds like that was an imposition. So so like he's got like 
his dance cards full on his sabbatical. It uh, honestly, I mean, in, in all seriousness, it really, it truly is. It's funny because I've been trying to sit down and just talk with him, um, you know, find out how things are going. And, um, it, it literally, it's difficult because he really, he, he jumped over from doing a lot of the church focused stuff to doing the family stuff. So like, he's really playing Mr. Mom right now, um, where he's, you know, taking the kids all around and, you know, I mean, his kids are older, so they've got, you know, sports and everything and, um, so, but, um, no total shout Can out. Can you even reference Mr. Mom anymore? I feel like that's like <laughs> super un PC now. Like someone, there's going to be a, a Twitter shaming campaign against this podcast. And hey. here I wanted to not talk about guns on the first one. I but, know, right. You know, going to be in trouble anyway. <laughs> well, you know, in today's society, Mr. Mom could become, you know, real mom. So, I mean, you know, I figure I was doing pretty good just mentioning <laughs> that. <laughs> Mr. Mom has all sorts of different meanings now. There's actually 72 different genders in the, the series. It's like the Marvel Universe. <laughs> that movie holds up, though, Nathan. I watched it. My, my whole family went over to my parents' house um, on New Year's Eve, and we watched Mr. Mom and another movie. Uh-huh. And I hadn't seen that movie in like 15 years. And, oh, my gosh, it's as funny today as it was in whatever, 1983 or whenever it came out. Oh yeah, it's it's timeless. I mean, Michael Keaton really in a lot of those roles in the '80s, I feel like was just fantastic. Do you remember a movie he did? Uh, was it Dream Team, where he uh, breaks out with a bunch of people uh, from a from a mental institution? Another dude. That guy's whole career was for like 15 years. He was just like trying to get the world to forget about how how offensive all of his early movies were to to modern. Uh, ears and eyes. Millennials would not stand for the dream team. I know. My favorite part on the dream team is when the guy thinks he's Jesus. And, he's the- and he goes, arise and walk, my son. And the camera starts to pan, and you just barely see the guy get up off the gurney. Off the- oh, that's hilarious. That's awesome. That is so awesome. It's funny too because I remember um I mean I remember you know watching that when it came out with uh, my dad with my fa- I mean my family really like um grew up in a Christian household but like we really were not uh terribly um censored in the movies that we watched. <laughs> Um, growing up with my dad in the house. So, I mean, I remember, you know, watching Terminator with them when I was like four or five years old. And, oh, <laughs> oh but Dude, that yeah, that makes me sad. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch the Smurfs because there was uh, sorcery in it. Gargamel. Dude, and Gar- think this through, Nathan. You got this communistic society of little interchangeable blue people <laughs> with like one or two people who look and are, who actually are, are recognizable and in control. And then you've got the evil guy who is clearly has the tonsure of an Augustinian monk and is wearing a monk's robe, making a religion, the villain. My parents were right to not let me watch it. That whole thing was like propaganda. And where that guy came from, Denmark or somewhere suspicious. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Well, you know, and you had one girl living among all the blue guys, you know, I mean, definitely yeah. something off there. I don't want to suss that out, man. That's <laughs> That gets dark really fast. It gets dark blue, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, man. So I teed that segue up for you if you wanted to uh, segue over to our topic. (laughs) That sounds perfect. Um, So a team already. Look at this, Nathan. I know, dude. You just you can't write stuff like this. No, we wrote it down. I mean, everybody (laughs) wrote that down. We we have a tweet out on it. Um, No, but you know, you and I both recently saw um, Black Panther. Well, I guess recently. What? It's been out um, fifteen, sixteen days at this point. we what? saw it the first weekend. Yeah, yeah, first weekend. So that was like sixteen, seventeen, something like that. Um, what What were your thoughts on it, man? I want to I want to talk to you um, about the movie in general, and then I want to talk about themes and things like that um, throughout the movie. But just general impressions of the movie, your thoughts on it, dude. I thought it was five out of five stars, and I don't say things like that lightly. It was spectac. Mm-hmm. I loved the CGI, but I loved that they, they were understated about it. They didn't, they didn't force it down your throat all the time. And you know, here's the thing. Like a lot of people – I heard all these news stories like Black Panther you know, hasn't been popular since the 60s. Me and my son used to watch this uh, Nickelodeon show where Iron Man was like a teenager. Yeah. It was called yeah. Iron Man Armored Adventures. And Black Panther was on that, and we always loved it when he came on. So I was already a huge fan, and uh, I, I thought they did a great job. Uh, I thought the cast was phenom. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like then I find out later that, that uh, my one of my favorite characters, which was his sister – yeah, the like cube of the whole thing is a Christian, and uh, uh, you know, wanting to use her movie career to to promote the gospel. I don't know. Sometimes you know, take these grain of salt, whatever. But I don't know. I, I don't think there was anything negative swirling around in any of it. And when we we went earlyish in the day, but like actually about lunchtime. Yeah, and we got there. And I'm not going to say it's because my wife misread the tickets, but it was because my wife my misread the tickets. <laughs> we got there an hour early, so we were the first ones in line. And we saw them open the, the theater doors, and a huge group of people, uh, probably from, I don't know, like a, a campus group or right by Michigan State University. So maybe, I don't know, I don't know how they were all. It was all generations, African American people, and they were all in like awesome, like African garb, like the women with like the head things, and like it. And they were so jazzed coming out of it. And my expectations just rose and rose and rose. And they were like taking selfies with each other by the cutout. I'm talking about 40 to 50 people in one group. They're taking group photos. And I thought, man, this is a cultural phenomenon for uh, a lot of people, a lot of Americans. Um, and and I went in with about as high expectations as I could have, and, and it met them. That's awesome. Maybe surpassed. I don't know. What'd you think of it? Yeah, I you know, I it's funny because I'm I'm I, I loved it. And I'm gonna say that right off because I am gonna say something negative. It's a personal preference of mine, and I'll explain it in just a second, but I loved it. I, everything that you said, totally agree with. My wife, um, her family uh were missionaries to Africa for a number of years. And so I've really come to love real African culture, African um, history, African landscapes, like just the beauty of the continent itself. Um, I don't know if you saw the movie um, Tarzan that came out a couple years ago, uh, The Legend of Tarzan. Did you ever see that one? I I didn't see that. It was like a live action Tarzan? Yeah, it was a live action Tarzan, but just phenomenal shots of the African jungle and the Congo and things like that and just – mind-blowing loved it the one thing i would have loved to have seen in this movie 
is more of an internal African struggle that was going on within the actual community itself before you brought Killmonger in. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, no, no, no. That Again, that's the only thing that I would say that I wish personally I had seen was T'Challa as king um, and seeing him reigning and ruling more, dealing with internal conflicts before you brought an external conflict in. Um, yeah, but there were already so many kind of segments to this movie Right, I bet. I bet that's in the in the numbers for the sequel. You know, now now that we've kind of got some stability, there's going to be some internal. I mean, but but you don't count like um, anybody who wants to can come and uh, fight this guy to the death for the throne, and then one one of the tribes like does that. That's that's pretty much. That's that's fiercer internal conflict than we've seen here, right? I mean, the only the only thing, and again, this is just my my preference is like it felt like the one guy, his friend, like I felt like they just kind of glossed over the fact that Claw had like what he had done to Wakanda, what he had done to the to the village and the people. His friend just seemed really quick to flip on him and be like, "Nope, we're going to yeah. give this guy a chance to to rule," you know. And that's that's I, all I, I agree, wanted to yeah. see was like, okay, what what is it? You know, if if T'Challa is really coming in and he's trying to make a difference, and his friends know him and they know he's trying to make a difference, like I, I wanted to see more of him trying to do the right thing and failing, where people were fed up with it, leading into Killmonger being able to come in and and do his thing. Um, yeah, I think if the movie wasn't already, you know, pushing two and, two and a half, half hours, yeah. whatever it was, I, I bet there were scenes like that on the cutting room floor. Yeah. If, if people still had any kind of attention span, yeah. you know, every movie could be four hours long. And, you know, if it was well, if it was succinct and, and there was a lot of story, it would still work. Yeah. I, I also agree that, that it was like, wait a minute, like this guy that was his really good buddy right. and is apparently married, question mark, to right. like the, the Secret Service lady, right. all of a sudden is against him, like vehemently against him. You know, but I mean, a Marvel movie isn't, you know, Remains of the Day or I haven't seen Remains of the Day. Why did I choose that? <laughs> it's not Schindler's List or it's not anything, you know, it's not, we're not looking at deep character sure. development. Sure, but you're, you, I think that's a valid, you know, and and I think part of it too was every movie that's come out set in Africa mm-hmm. that I can think of, you know, I'm thinking of like the Last King of Scotland. We just watched the, the trailer for that the other day because um, mm. we were thinking about Forrest Whitaker, yeah, uh, and a couple. I mean, like everything that comes out, it's like Africa is this just place where everyone's at each other's throats because we tend toward conflict when we portray things on the screen, right? And the fact that this one was like, um, no. We're going to highlight, you know, what it looks like when people live in harmony and stuff. I don't know. To me, it wasn't. It, it maybe was an intention. It was maybe an oversight. It was maybe an intentional decision uh, sure. to say only when like this guy comes from the colonial power um, do they find themselves in, in having to fight and in danger. Sure. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, really, it's it is. It's it's just a personal critique on. The story, I you know, I thought um, Michael B. Jordan, who played Killmonger, did a fantastic job as the villain. I think he did a Creed, fan- dude. Yeah, I that you know, it's funny. I'm gonna say this: a lot of people are gonna you know automatically tune me out. I still have not seen Creed. It just came on Netflix, um, so I will be watching that soon. But I still haven't seen Creed yet. 
Was that um, definitely Good worth content. seeing? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's I mean, you've seen Rocky Four, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. so you don't hate America or anything. You just you just haven't <laughs> haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no. It just um, when it came out in theaters, um, I don't know. We were poor or something, um, and then it just it made its way to uh, you know. Uh, Blu-ray, and I just haven't got around to seeing it yet. Um, but that is on my watch list at this point. Um, yeah, because after his, you know, horrible bomb as the Human Torch on Fantastic Four, um, this was a great, great, um, you know, reprise for him. Isn't it crazy how you've got? I mean, the first Fantastic Four, and I, I don't know about you. Are you a comic book guy at all? Are I am. You gonna- up descending into a, like a, a vortex of nerdery here and we, lose all the listeners. We could um, be. <laughs> you've got the first Fantastic Four, which I think was by far superior to the reboot. Oh, absolutely. Um, the guy who played the Human Torch, a Marvel character, turns around and becomes one of the most iconic Marvel characters in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> then in the reboot, again a flop. Yep. And the guy who plays the human tor- torch turns around and becomes a major character in the MCU. <laughs> How weird is that? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Well, and it's it's interesting too because I think what they did well was they really, I think they did a great job at portraying the the struggle that you see with racism versus like King T'Challa who acknowledges it, but also acknowledges that the way to combat this isn't to go in guns blazing and just take down the system. You know, we need to unite and work together, but like you could also see and understand and sympathize with Killmonger and where he came from, um, in his, in his plight, you know, in his position. Yeah, it was a brilliant, um, and maybe semi spoilers here. Um, I thought it was a brilliant convention to start with that like early '90s uh, kid and play high top fade, you know, yes. fashion situation um, flashback, and and you're going, okay, I don't know how this fits into the rest of the movie until you find out uh, who who you saw in that flashback, yeah. and it all kind of clicks together, and all of a sudden, this guy who's just vicious. You go, oh, but I felt bad for him earlier. I just didn't know it was him I was feeling bad for. Right. Uh, it's a nice little reminder when they humanize the villains. And, and a Marvel movie has never, that I can think of, successfully done that, even though they've tried several times. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think um, most of the villains that you see, they're they're either just – they're bad from the outset and have no intention of reforming or – I mean, the only other villain that I think is a likable character, and I think, I think much of that has to do with the person that portrays him is Loki. You know, played by Tom Hiddleston, who is just a really likable bad guy. He's swan. You know, he's basically Bin Laden. I mean, he like destroyed. How many people died? How many pe- imaginary people, granted, but died <laughs> in the attack on New York? I, 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 every time he comes on, they like have some little thing happen, or someone's like, "Yeah, we still remember," but you can tell they regret throwing this guy that that was a fan favorite uh, into that role. Yeah, I feel like they tried to do this with uh, the Vulture in Spider-Man: Homecoming to bring it back around to Mister Mom. Yeah, uh, and 
you know, like all oh, the you know, the government comes in and and takes his contract and and wrecks his business and mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and, and yet he played him just so insanely evil yeah. that I didn't feel bad for him for a minute. Fascinating. Well, and that's the thing. Like I don't, I I wouldn't necessarily assume I feel bad for Loki. I just I enjoy his portrayal and I think more so than um, Avengers like it's funny because I almost forget like he was the main villain in in Avengers but I really I enjoyed his portrayal in Thor 2 I really enjoyed um, what he did in Thor Ragnarok um, you know and, and it almost seems like what you were saying like they're trying to get you to forget that he was wait a minute he was uh-huh. the guy who destroyed New York <laughs> Because they didn't – I don't think they predicted how much people would like him. Yeah. Uh, he, the problem is those Marvel movies don't have very many good bad guys. They yeah. really don't. And I felt like in uh, Civil War they were teeing up uh, Martin Freeman yes. to be the next big bad guy. Like I mean he, he was the, – the American accent he used in that – was so cold and and dispassionate and like I will you know shoot you in the head without a second thought and then they turned around and again spoiler alert kind of redeem him yeah in in Black Panther it was there was so much going on in that movie it, I, I have only seen it once but I gotta I gotta go check it out again did you see it in 3D I did not did you oh uh, and and it was you know nine times out of ten you pay the extra four bucks a ticket. And put on those glasses, and there's like a scene maybe where it even matters. Yep. I feel like every scene of Black Panther, there was there was palpable depth to everything, and it really it added something. Nice, nice. Yeah, I um, like I said, we we went and um, my wife and I went and saw it together. She actually she enjoys a lot of the Marvel stuff, um, probably um, even more than I do to a certain extent. She'll we'll get home and she'll just go and look up the complete backstory of movies that we go and watch. You know, date going back into the comics and the history and things like that, kind of all the way back and get you know the run through and the summary of things. Um, where I just kind of rely on my memory of things, which half the time you know it's like, hey, I remember reading this when I was eight, and it's nothing like what I read. It's just what I remember reading. Um, and so, you know, she'll, uh, but she'll go back and look at it. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I, you know, we wanted to just get in there and see the movie because there was, it looked so awesome and it was, it totally lived up to the hype that it was getting. And, um, but yeah, I definitely want to go back and see it again to try to pick up, um, things that I missed. What, um, what was your favorite moment in the movie? Let's go there. I'm thinking like I, my favorite part was when they were kind of undercover in the like casino. Oh yeah. They were, they bump into this other operation in progress and then there's like a three way fight. Yep. Uh, and the, the, I love that kind of, I'm a sucker for, um, operations you know i mean you could probably tell anyone who's read my books is always you know like a heist that's really complex and there's lots of wrenches in the works that kind of stuff is just fun to me um and to have them you know have a pretty straightforward thing we're going to show up we're going to grab him this is a guy that we've been wanting to try for crimes against our country for years and then have the whole thing fall apart but in the midst of that have you know i i also really like uh, movies that that have unusual action, you know, and it is becoming less unusual. But to have uh, the majority of the heroes being female, 
Yeah. You know, all like the most elite of the fighters were were those women. I don't remember what they called them, um, but they had like a name for their like squad, and it, it, it was incredible. Uh, the fight choreography. It all felt really frantic, mm-hmm. um, really brutal, but also fairly real. It wasn't that like spin ballerina, right. like John Woo choreography where it doesn't even look like a fight anymore. Right, right. Pull a thousand daggers out from under my shirt and watch him fly. Yeah, in slow motion. Remember bullet time and everyone was like, yeah. oh, that's everything. That's everywhere now all of a sudden. Yes. Like I'm glad that era is over and and there's like – and then at the, about the same time, there was like the Batman Begins uh, era where it was uh, – in the later Bourne movies. Yes. Where it's like there's a bunch of punching and kicking, but you don't know who's punching or who's kicking or who, what's happening because yeah. it's like take some Dramamine and just strap in and watch – you know, the the shaky cam, and I want to know what's going on. I paid yeah. 11 bucks for the ticket. I want to know what's happening. I think they did a great job finding that tension between, you know, it felt pretty real, but it also felt really, you know, it, it felt awesome. You, you could right. feel the, the choreography had been really, they'd worked it out, and they'd, and they'd improved on it and improved on it and tightened it up until it couldn't get any better. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, back in the early um, 80s, I mean, you know, listeners know, um, you know, I studied martial arts my whole life. And so, you know, I love I love a good martial arts movie. I I love a bad martial arts movie. Um, I'm a big martial arts fan. And so I enjoy, you know, seeing um, the choreography and, and, you know, paying attention to the detail of it. And you're right. Like when you get to some of like the Batman stuff that came out with the Christopher Nolan stuff and uh, the Bourne stuff, particularly the later Bourne stuff, like you said, it's just, it's so, it's so fast and you know that the good guy came out on top, but it's also like, okay, I know fighting and that's unrealistic fast where I feel like a lot of the movies now are transitioning into this brawler type fighting where it's like, it's more realistic. You know, I don't care how trained and how seasoned a fighter you are at the end of the day, everybody kind of reverts back to that brawler mode where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the Fights guy are dirty. Yeah. 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 You know, maybe the guy who has a little bit more training, he's a little quicker and he's getting his punches in a little more precise and targeted, but it's still that. Yeah. Like you said, it's that real raw, dirty kind of getting in there, getting out. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I enjoyed that as well. Although at the same time, when they're too real, mm-hmm. that's stupid too, you know, like, yeah, when they feel like I, I, I hate MMA. Yeah. Like I, I, I like it in theory, yep. but me and Ted Cluck used to go to MMA boxing shows here uh-huh. in, in Michigan. And, uh, in general, we loved the boxing and we loved the first 30 seconds of every, every MMA fight mm-hmm. before somebody tackled someone else. And they just sort of like humped on the ground for the next 20 <laughs> minutes. And you know, and in that case, I don't know what's going on either. I, I, I mean, I can tell they're exerting themselves trying to, you know, pin each other or what i don't know it i gotta be able to see something so i i do appreciate that they've they've you know they've stopped it short of going to full realistic full realism you know it's it's still a fantastical world where there are these guys who who the training works like it's supposed to in the lab you know what i mean right yeah. Well, here's the thing with MMA too, though, um, and this is one of the reasons why I will never sign up to do MMA and 
if there are any MMA fighters out there, I'm not giving you my address to test this. But the reality is like nobody's going to go to the ground like that in real life. I'm not going to shoot after somebody's legs when I'm on concrete like that. I'm only going to do that when I'm on the safety of the mat. And I don't have to worry about, you know, tearing up my knees when I hit the concrete. Mm, you right. know, like even MMA, it's still a sport. There's still rules. You can't kick a guy in the groin and expect everything to be okay. You get penalized for something like that. You know, um, one of my um, one of my favorite, you know, movies, martial art movies is Bloodsport. Do you remember seeing with that with Van Dam? <laughs> all I remember about Bloodsport is he punched that guy's testicle yes. and he was, killed him. He was done because that's the and, reality. And he kicked the guy's knee like backwards. Yeah. Like I saw that when I was too young, and I, and and we, I think that that had like a an absolute like legend to it because the name is just so amazing, and yeah. it was Van Dam. It it just will live on in infamy. Um, But like there are certain things in there and like, again, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, it's a great realistic fighting. But like there are aspects of it that are like dropping down and hitting someone, hitting a dude in the groin is going to end the fight. Like period. (laughs) That's why they break up those fights when guys get hit in the groin in MMA. (laughs) They stop them because the dude's done. (laughs) You know, so I, I really, I think the, um, you know, and I think you're right. Like there is a certain stylized portion of it, but part of that is because these guys are superheroes. You know, you've got to, to an extent, be taken out of that kind of, you know, reality, put in the fantasy of, you know, okay, so, you know, the Black Panther is, you know, doing, you know, a 15 foot kick. I can, I can accept that because he's the Black Panther, you know? Um, now, Nathan, is it part of the superhero code that you don't kick somebody in the balls? Because I've never seen that. <laughs> I think that's just a movie courtesy. Like, you know, every guy who I've ever seen who goes to a movie and they've seen somebody hit in the groin is automatically cringing and covering yeah, and never wants to true. see that scene again. <laughs> 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 Except the one in Bloodsport. That's the exception That's that proves the rule. Well, I had th- watch that right now. <laughs> well, I think what made that one especially cool was just the drop down split that Van Dam did in order to get there. You know, that was just the guys running in. He just I- drops into the split and hits him. It's like <laughs> not to get us off permanently off the the Black Panther, but excuses. <laughs> Have you watched an Amazon Prime television show called Jean-Claude Van Johnson? Yes, I've seen the first three episodes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my goodness. It is fantastic. <laughs> the, the, the fact that he was on board with that like raised my opinion of him exponentially. Yeah. And whoever wrote it was genius. It's just hilarious and actually super awesome at the same time. It is. Yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh my goodness, the fact that you are totally willing to laugh at yourself like this means you are cool. <laughs> and wasn't Van Damme the bad guy in one of the Expendables movies? Yeah, was it was it the third? How many are there? Are there three or four? I don't know. I've only I've seen two or three of them. The last one I saw had Mel Gibson, and it was kind of a disappointment. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember um I'm trying to remember which one. I've seen I think I've seen the first two. So maybe it was the third one he was he was in. 
Um, Dude, I saw the second one with my boy Ted Cluck in a, on opening day. Uh-huh. The only seats available were in the back row, and there was a like a three-year-old <laughs> next to us with his parents. And oh my gosh, it took every ounce of being I had not to say, "You are a sick person." Insane. In other, you know, you have to remind yourself your local pastor. Right. You could shoot this guy out, and then he could wander into your church some Sunday morning and be like, "Wait a minute." Right. Isn't that the guy that called me a you yeah. know, whatever uh, at the movie theater? That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's funny because uh, Joy and I were talking about that the other day. My wife, um, we were talking about the other day and just, you know, like, you know, movie etiquette, movie, you know, like, okay, you know, taking your child to see a movie at this age. And I mean, you've heard our podcast before. We are, you know, fairly loose in terms of like, you know, freedom and things like that, that we, you know, we assert, but there, there are certain things where it's like, oh my gosh, what are you thinking? Like your three-year-old going to see that movie. Come on. Shouldn't your three-year-old be home in bed by now? (laughs) Well, no, it's cheaper to buy a ticket than a babysitter. But uh, what do you think it did to you to see the Terminator at uh, four years old? Yeah. You know, I mean, and again, this is where it's like, this is where I think it's like, okay, you know, you got to, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. My parents never would have brought me out to the movie theaters to have seen that. Like, you know, and, and I can't even remember, you know, uh, Terminator. I just, you know, I, I mean, I remember it because I watched it years later, not because I remember seeing it when I was four, but I do remember like movies that I would watch with my dad and my brother and things like that, that were more intense, my dad would sit down and talk to me about him. You know, we would have discussions about him. It's like, you know, (laughs) I mean, and you know, some of those were, you know, theological, some of, you know, I mean, as theological as you can get with a kid, you know, with a kid, but like some of them were like that. Some of them were, you know, Hey, you know, this is fake. You know, if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to, you know, like there, you know, there was, I think there was this fine line that, you know, I certainly wouldn't probably walk with my, young child. Um, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily look at my dad and like, Oh, you know, what you did was absolutely horrible and abuse and blah, 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 blah. You know, I just think as, you know, as an adult, I would look at things differently when raising my child. I've accidentally shown part of Die Hard to my kid, uh, like 20 minutes, but it was the boring talky part with Bill Clay. So I don't think it had any impact on him. Oh, that's another one. So basically you're saying your dad sat you down and he was like, Nathan, remember in real life, we don't punch people's testicles into their brain. (laughs) Yeah. You know, stuff like that, (laughs) you know, and there, I mean, there was most certainly a gauge of, you know, what I was allowed to watch in terms of, you know, um, now that would have looked completely different in one house versus, you know, another, but like, I remember this one movie, um, that I saw, but it was, it was later when I was a teenager, um, called I come in peace with Dolph Lundgren. And it was about this alien who basically comes down and like sucks brains out of people. Um, now again, I was older at that point, you know, but I, and that movie was older. So it's not something my dad would have shown me. He was like, Oh yeah, I've seen this movie tons of times. You know, it was just when I was in, you know, getting into my teenage years, he was like, you know, Hey, I think you would enjoy this. I think you can handle it. And, you know, so we sat down and watched it together, you know, so there was definitely, even with some of the stuff that I watched, there was still a standard of, yeah, I'm not going to show this, you know? 
What um let me ask you, so as a father, how old is your your son? He's nine. He'll be ten in May. Okay. So what's kind of the the rule, the standard that you're going to be using? I mean, you know, few more years until you know, he's becoming a teenager, you know, young man, young adult. I mean, what, what are some of the things that are kind of going through your mind in terms of, you know, what you are and aren't letting him watch? I mean, Black Panther, you know, I'm assuming something you wouldn't have a problem with him seeing. Yeah, he's never seen – we all went and saw Black Panther together. We've seen all the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we just uh, rewatched Back to the Future. Nice. That's only that's a PG. Um, he's never seen an R-rated movie other than those like 20 minutes of, uh, Die Hard. Yeah. Um, when he turns 13, maybe if he's a mature 12 at Christmas, we're going to watch, uh, Die Hard because it's a family tradition. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot, I'm probably more like your dad in that I'm less concerned with obviously cinematic action. Mm -hmm. My kid doesn't have, you know, you're, you know, a kid and if a kid is, struggling with violence or anger or stuff, you don't want to fuel that. My my kid is literally the most empathetic person I've ever met in my life. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't hurt anyone. He's a uh, first degree black belt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I know like if, if someone at school messed with him, he would, he wouldn't, he wouldn't hit him back. He's just, he's just really kind. So I'm not worried about like fueling something like that. I would be a heck of a lot more, concerned with skin yeah anything sexual right um and you know my parents did a really good job of that with me unfortunately the internet uh not even the internet just like bbs's and like computers talking to computers were a thing when i was going through uh, adolescence so they didn't you know they were caught off guard but as far as movies i remember my dad getting up standing right in front of me so that instead of you know the lady uh, disrobing on the screen, I just saw my dad's butt in my face, <laughs> and using the uh, the remote that's connected by a wire to the VCR, yeah, to fast forward through it, yeah. And y- you know, I remember thinking like, well, wait a minute, he's watching this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, and then when if it was a movie he'd seen and he knew you know how long if it was a short little scene, he'd cover my eyes, yeah. and I'd look over at him sometimes. And his eyes were closed too. I mean, he he, right. he was modeling for me purity, being careful. You know, you got to know what is going to entice and drag you away. To use right. James, uh, not James King, but Saint James's <laughs> words. And you know, I know my son, and I know what might be a problem for him at this point. And and so I'm not worried about him watching. Like like the first time when he was a, when we were watching that that Iron Man cartoon. Yeah. I showed him like a my cut. Of the Iron Man movie with with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, the the original Marvel movie, John Favreau, genius, put yes. together. Yeah, and I skipped the scene where the guns came up out of his shoulders and killed a bunch of people. Yeah, I skipped the scene that implied he was you know like going off to have a rendezvous with some women. Yeah, and now I mean we we watch that movie. I don't worry about him seeing the the you know little guns coming out and and you know the. I, I know that that uh, the more we watch that sort of thing, there's always the danger of becoming mm-hmm. desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm on guard for my own soul and for his, right. and and I'll know when we're in the red or anywhere near it, and we're not. Right, right, yeah. Well, and I think I mean I think what you said is is great. You know that 
you know, I mean, for me, you know, my parents were, were much more cautious, you know, like you said with, you know, with skin and, um, you know, I'm a few years younger than you. So the internet was much more available to me, um, you know, with things. Um, and you know, I've shared before that, you know, just history and background with, um, having issues with things. And, um, you know, those are things that, um, are still, embedded and imprinted in my mind, you know? And so being careful and cautious about what I watch to make sure that, you know, I'm not being tempted by things, but yeah, like the violence, the language, things like that never really, never really were an issue for me because that's, that's not my persona. My persona, I don't look at all the, you know, the violence that's going on and want to go out and, you know, kill people and, you know, you know, that's no, I mean, I'm, you know, pretty chill, relaxed person, you know, um, I, Steve Hartland and I were talking last week about, you know, just, you know, children and raising children, you know, I talked to my students about, you know, guys, look, there's a context to everything you say, you know, your words have meaning, they're important. And so make sure you're not just, you know, throwing words around that first of all, you don't know what they mean because that happens a lot. But second of all, that are going to really offend those people around you. You know, we're here, we're in a Christian school. And so, you know, your, your teachers and the people that are here in your life take offense to some of those things. You know, I'm not naive. I know you guys are saying these things when you're out on the basketball court, playing around with your friends, gaming online, you know. Um, but, you know, there's a level of self-control that I have as an adult that I'm not tempted to just go and, you know, lose my mind in the classroom with the kids and cuss them up and down, you know, that's not where I'm struggling. And I think, like you said, it's important to be able to know your child and know, yeah, this is something he's really going to have trouble with. And so probably shouldn't let him watch it. And this is something where, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. And so, you know, we're, we're, you know, not going to overindulge, but, you know, yeah, let's watch it. Let's have fun. And, you know, there's really not a ton of consistency to rely on these uh, MPAA ratings. Mm. Like, I just brought my kid to watch Samson. Yep. Um, which maybe should be its own week, its own topic. <laughs> uh, all these movies suck in the in this very particular way that they do. Yeah. Um, but it's PG-13. And so I went on all the, like, F-bomb counting sites and, like, the focus on the family type sites. Sure. And I read you know, in detail, everything that happens in it. Yeah. And the only thing I was worried about was, you know, it said eye gouging happens on screen. And I'm thinking like in the, in the story of Samson, that could be pretty darn brutal. My, my kid doesn't like when I was, when I was nine, I'd have been like, Oh cool. Yeah. Show me the scene where they gouge the eyes out. <laughs> <Right>. Like <not laughs> because I was, just because I was curious what that would look like in a movie, you know, mm -hmm. but my the opposite, he'll, uh, so I told him when it was coming up, I'm like, you probably don't want to look and he'd cover his eyes. Um, but I got to the end of that. And I'm like that. I, I guess I appreciate that they err on the side of you know more parental guidance suggested. Right. But when movies that are PG-13, and then you know a, a PG-13 movie can have some pretty hardcore stuff in it, yeah. you know, violence-wise, and, and and especially you know sexual themes and stuff that I would never dream of of letting my son watch, and I shouldn't want to either. Right. So I find those useless. Um, I, I guess it comes down to if you really want to be careful, you have to watch it right with in the back of your mind. You know, 
is there a you know, little section you need to skip? And right. if too many of those get racked up, this is probably a whole movie I want to skip. If mm-hmm. I, you know, rather than show it to my kid. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm not going to show my kid Deadpool. I'll tell you that. Right. Right. Even though it's Marvel. Right. Well, and I mean. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of uh, emails about this, but I mean, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I wouldn't show my kid Deadpool either, but I mean, I love Deadpool. You know, I skipped the parts that I needed to skip and enjoyed the movie for what it was, you know, like, but again, part of that is having discernment. I think part of that was having, you know, um, particularly a dad who, you know, taught me discernment, you know, who would talk to me about these things. And, you know, it's not to say like every movie we saw was, you know, Oh, some deep theological conversation, but like, you know, teaching discernment, you know, like you said, you know, hey, you know, we know that we don't just randomly go up and hit people in the, you know, in the groin, you know, you don't just randomly go up and, you know, compound fracture someone's leg, you know, it's no, you know, this is a movie. It's, you know, fun, but it stays in its context and in its place. Um, Still there? I'm here, man. I'm oh, just cool. processing all your stuff. Cool. I should have been going, yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, well, he gets angrier as he goes, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Would you shut up and let me talk? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and like, I'm, I'm looking forward to, because you guys, I actually started listening to your, your podcast, our podcast, because, our- uh, <laughs> because uh, somebody reposted one the app about, uh, I mean, I'd heard of it before, but there's so many out there. But when I saw that you were discussing Breaking Bad, I was like, oh, I got to listen to this. Nice. And I can't wait till my kid is old enough to process all that's going on in that show. Yeah. Without, you know, there's a there's just a level of maturity where you can, you know, I, I, there, there are scenes I skip on that. Like, yeah. like I had watched the whole series when I was, uh, there was a time when I used to exercise. I'd get on the, uh, the moving belts where you can walk in place yep. and uh and watch tv to to keep me going and um so like one of the intros was in a, a strip club and and i fast forwarded through it and then i told my wife like i gotta go brush my teeth when we watched it mm-hmm. i won't i'll skip that with my kid but i think there's so many great conversations about good and evil mm-hmm. so many great i mean to limit yourself you limit what you show your kid as he gets older and becomes a young man, a young woman, a teenager, a, a young adult, there, if you limit it to like the war room and right. facing the giants, they are going to bolt in the other direction. Yeah. They're, they're going to say, wait, why does all our stuff suck? You know, there's a few things like Luther and, right. um, you know, Risen. You know, there's some out there that are good, but there's not enough sure. where that can be all you consume. Right, right. Well, and I think I think if it is like I mean the reality is like let's look at Roman time and Roman period and like look at um the theater. You know, I mean theater was a huge part of Roman culture and Roman history and they had some pretty you know out there stuff. Not once does Paul say stay away from the theater. You know, not once does Paul say don't do this, don't do that, you know. He talks about because of our relationship with Christ, you know, these are these are the things that we want to make sure we're guarding against. These are the things that, you know, are going to get us into trouble. These are universal tru- truths, you know, um, sexual sins, lying, ste- you know, it's like, guys, guard yourself against these things. Guard yourself against your heart. But it's always within the context of who you are in Jesus Christ. You know, my tolerance for 
something in the area of language is going to be completely different than someone else's tolerance and and that's okay you know i don't need to flaunt that oh you know i can do this and you can't you know but i think too what we need to remember is on the flip side of that there's also like just like you don't enjoy certain things and you're not going to watch certain things you know you shouldn't be trying to impose your convictions you shouldn't try to impose you know, what you believe is wrong, your conscience on me, you know, I think there's a fine line of having a conversation, you know, and I I do, I have many conversations with um, friends of mine who will watch uh, Game of Thrones. That is a show that I have determined I cannot watch. I've just, on account of its porn. Well, you know, yeah. And I mean, did you ever listen to the one that Greg and I did? I think I skipped that because I have literally negative interest. Like I have a lot of interest in Game of Thrones, but it's negative. Okay. It's a high number, but in the negative. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything that would bore me to sleep quicker than a discussion of Game of Thrones. So sure. I didn't. I didn't catch that one. Okay. That, I mean, that's fair enough. But you know, I have I have friends who are like, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't watch it. I skip through it. You know, the, those scenes and things like that. And it's like, you know what? I'm I'm talking to them. These are brothers and sisters who I have a conversation with. And I, you know, I can't, but, you know, I mean, if I'm having this conversation with them and I'm talking with them and they're, you know, they're watching it, but they're not, they're not sinning. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard. And there, there are people I know, um, you know, I think it was Kevin DeYoung wrote an article about, you know, Game of Thrones and why you shouldn't watch it. I know there are a lot of people out there who are writing these articles and things like that. And I know a lot of people would probably look at me and just say, well, you just need to tell them that what they're doing is wrong and sinful. And, um, you know, but like at the same time, I, I don't, in my conscience, I can't go to that person and be like, what you're doing is wrong because I don't think that what they're doing is wrong. And I know people would disagree with me and that's fine. That's okay. I can, I can live with that. You know, I've talked with my friends. I've had this conversation with them. You know, that's all I'm going to pursue. You know, I'm not going to sit there and beat them over the head and be like, you need to, you know, think and see things my way. Your thoughts? Yeah. There's a difference between though, like Katie Wise article, which I thought was pretty darn good. And, Mm -hmm. I felt like the the backlash against it was everything that's wrong with like new Calvinism social media, um, and are you still there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I'm hearing a weird echo of myself. Uh, <laughs> and, and and something like that, or say John Piper wrote an, an article about why you shouldn't see Deadpool, uh-huh. um, which at the end of the day it was clear that it was why you shouldn't watch people pretend to have sex on any movie or television show, and he didn't know anything about Deadpool. Right. And I don't remember that being heavy in, in that film. But um, I think as a, a public figure and a pastor and someone who's a lot of people look to for spiritual guidance, mm-hmm. it makes sense for them to say, let me tell you why I think this is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you go to your friend, if, if you do that a lot, mm-hmm. you kind of lose your cred to do that when it really counts. Mm-hmm. I think there's obviously a line. I mean, if, if you have a, a friend who's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I watch porn, but right. I skip the parts I need to skip and I don't right. send. <laughs> you need to st- take this guy aside. And then you have someone like Kevin Young say, well, what's the difference? You know, there's talking mm-hmm. parts and really, you know, uh, ostensibly some kind of story in the porn too. Just mm-hmm. like someone says that's what they're watching. They, I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel what you're saying. At the same time, I think that it's just a discernment thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
where you say, I need to be able to read this person where they are. Mm -hmm. And there may be a time when I need to tell if, if, if there was a guy who was like, Hey, pastor Zach, can I be your covenant eyes partner? I, I struggle with, with porn online. I'd say, sure. And then if I found out they were watching game of Thrones, I'd say, what are you doing? Right. You, you can't, you, you're not ready to do that. And, uh, honestly, I don't know. That's a place you should even want to get because the, what's the upside to it? Right. Um, flee from it. Sure. Flee youthful lusts. Flee uh, temptation. So I, I don't know. There, there's there's the guy who's always finger wagging and banging his Bible at all his friends, mm-hmm. and then there's the people who are just like hands in the air, whatever. You know, different strokes, different folks. And then there's that tension of, as believers, we have to be ready. If, if discipleship calls for it to sure. say to someone, you're lying to yourself sure. when you say that, you know, you're, you're watching this thing for the cultural, and I, I don't even what that's about like, like dwarves and dragons and like an incest king and some, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't get my mind around why that's, why that's fun. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, I under, honestly, if there wasn't, um, the sexual content in there, I would be into it. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy D and D. I enjoy fantasy games, role playing, things like that. Um, you oh, know. so you're a pagan. Okay. Yes, that's right. That's right. You didn't realize you were, you were getting into a podcast with a, uh, with a devil worshiper, did you? Oh, I'm going to send you some Jack chick tracks, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Four spiritual laws. Anyone? Say the one that's got the. I got a comic book where the cover is like a whole bunch of eight track tapes with like a candle melted onto the top of them. And then like a nine sided die on the table next to him. <laughs> That's great. I can honestly say I have never played D and D with a candle. <laughs> you haven't lived, man. I know. Apparently, apparently, um, you know, so like I can, I can, you know, understand, um, the appeal of it. You know, I've, I've had conversations with, you know, people who are, you know, who have said, um, you know, and these are friends of mine and I've been talking with them and they're like, you know, there's really no more or less nudity in this than there is, you know, this show. Um, you know, if you were to take the whole scheme of the eight seasons, you know, spread out over, you know, whatever it is, this is how much is in there. It's like, you know, I watch it with my wife, you know, when those scenes come on, I just kind of leave and, you know, um, and, and again, you know, it's like, to me, as a brother in Christ, I want to make sure that, you know, they are, you know, that they are guarding their conscience, you know. Um, but at the same time, I'm never going to force someone's conscience to be what mine is, you know. I'm never, I mean, all I can do is, you know, point to scripture and, you know, talk with them about it. But I've never found it effective to, like, just, you know, throw it in their face. It's like, you know, it's like a new believer. You have to, you know, you have to show them scripture. You have to guide them along, but ultimately you've got to let the Holy spirit kind of lead them into that conviction, you know? And so I think there's that fine line, what you're talking about where somebody comes to you as a pastor or somebody comes to me as a friend and they're like, man, you know, I just, uh, you know, I want you to, you know, kind of, you know, just keep track of me. You know, I've really been struggling with this lately. Okay. I'm going to do that. And then they come to me, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm watching this. And it's like, uh, probably not the best option. Let's move on to something else, you know, where these are guys that, to my knowledge, are not – they don't have that issue. They're not struggling with it. But also they're not coming to me being like, hey, can you kind of, you know, be accountable? Can I be accountable to you for these things, you know? 
Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to force yourself on someone as their accountability partner. That's that's an awkward situation. Yeah, yeah. Stranger well, danger. That's right. <laughs> Do you have more uh, Black Panther stuff, man? I feel like I derailed us hard. Yeah, no, um, I. I I don't think I really do. I mean, we've been um, we've been rocking it for over an hour here, man. Um, we've gone too and far. We have, <laughs> <laughs> dude. We don't do that. We rock the Casbah. I know, I know you do. Yeah. Now, now let me say one thing about Black Panther before we we, we fold it up here. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, I beforehand when I realized that it was a huge phenom, I was like, I'm not going to let myself watch this thing and make all these Christian analogies in my mind. I'm not going to go in there with this view of, well, how can I leverage this and, you know, bring it up in preaching or write a tract or an article or a blog, the gospel according to the black Panther. Yes. And I, I'm like, this stuff is coming, but I'm just going to ignore it because I want to appreciate it for what it is. Cause I feel like it's something real significant and I don't want to just, I don't want to be the guy who says, oh, yeah, it's culturally significant, but how do we baptize it and make it good? No, it's already good. Yeah. If, it, you know, if it's done well, it glorifies God. And I was so pleased and pleasantly surprised that I've seen very little mm. kind of exploitation of that film. Rather, what I did see was that article I referenced where where the the one actress you know said right. I'm a Christian I'm in Hollywood I'm I, I just want to act and, and do it to the glory of God which was awesome yeah and and I was just really pleased that it almost seems like the church just kind of looked sidelong at each other and said with this one you want to just like watch the movie and eat the popcorn and right say that it was awesome and yeah. call it a day <laughs> good nice. yeah yeah. Yeah. I think the church is sometimes afraid to just let uh, a piece of entertainment, let a piece of art just be that instead of trying to find mm-hmm. the deeper meaning. It's just like, no, let's just let's just let it be. Let's enjoy it. Let's watch it together and, you know, talk about it, laugh about it and move on. I wrote a blog one time uh where I I had just seen in Frozen. And it was before Frozen was like annoying and everyone was singing <laughs> Let It Go all the time. I saw it like the day it came out with my kid. Yep. And uh, I wrote an article on my blog where I said, this is how Frozen was the absolute opposite of the gospel. It's satanic. And I laid it out. Um, and, and, you know, with Kristoff being the Christ figure, but being rejected and this woman wants to save herself and blah, blah. And then I said, now this is how Frozen is the gospel perfectly the gospel and i and i laid it all out again self-sacrificial love right you know uh, takes the sword and all this and then i was like see you can do it you can do that with every movie <laughs> just let it be a movie it's just a kid's movie yeah let it be a movie yeah let it go if That's- you will <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness you totally went there <laughs> that's you awesome want me to sing? <laughs> you don't want me to sing, sing us off <laughs> Oh man, that was great, Zach. This has been awesome. To our uh, to our listeners out there, you may have heard. I, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to you know severely um, edit some of the uh, gaps and things like that in there. But Zach and I were having a little bit of trouble connecting on Skype. Um, hopefully, it'll become easier and easier as we go along. Um, but if you hear us saying, "Hey, are you there? Are you there?" Um, that's yeah. just what's going on. So. Um, I feel like, you know, these go to 11 has been doing this for three years now. So, uh, you know, our audience can handle a little bit of, uh, 
a little bit of digital mess up every once in a while. So, all right, man, we are going to go ahead and sign off now. Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11. <laughs>